Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch, where we turn to the tree of love and dive deep into an area that is quite topical at the moment for both couples and for singles. Now, before I continue, I want to read a passage from my book, A Higher Branch, on the chapter of the Tree of Love, which will give us a nice context for why this area is so important before I introduce my next guest, who recorded last year with me in the top three most popular podcasts for 2020. So I'm um, very excited to be introducing her to you. But first, I just want to read this passage. There are some who feel that they do not need love and intimacy in their life. That may be okay for a time, but I have learned that expressing love awakens a power and energy so strong that it lifts your level of performance in all areas of life to that of extraordinary. It connects the power of your mind with that of your heart and unleashes a source of immense creativity and imagination. Many a brilliant song or artwork or literature or some architectural feat has been created by someone in love. It is a tragedy to let such a source of great power be left to chance or even worse, wasted. On that note, I want to introduce my next guest who probably needs no introduction. She is one of Australia's most sought after therapists. Over 20 years experience in couples counseling and individual psychotherapy. She is regularly called upon as a relationship expert across national media with regular spots on Channel 9's Today Show, Today Extra, Studio 10. And she's my favorite couples counselor in Australia, hands down. And uh, she's dedicated her professional life to helping people fix their relationships. And to me, that is so, so important because as a lawyer of almost 30 years, there was a stint where I did family law and can I tell you, breakups were preventable if people went and saw a therapist early on with the problem. And it, fixing a relationship problem before it escalates doesn't just fix the relationship. It also avoids years and years of mental anguish for the kids, for people in that relationship, which is a common problem. And she's helped thousands of individuals and couples gain insight into their relationship problems which is step one, really, resolve ongoing conflict. And thirdly, and very importantly, is to recreate sexual connection and working towards maintaining and developing a loving relationship because that's something that a lot of couples forget to do over many years. They stop those little things of touching hands, holding hands, hugging whilst watching TV and doing those beautiful, simple things that just keep the relationship uh, going. And uh, so on that note, Melissa Ferrari, welcome to A Higher Branch once again. Hi, Sam. Thank you for a lovely introduction there. It's a pleasure to be here. I loved hearing what you have written there in your book. It's just how I think about relationships as well, that, that if your relationship is safe and secure and that you've got things going well enough there, 
it really gives you the resources to go out into the world and do great stuff that you want to do or not do great stuff. Whatever you want to do, feel supported, you know, your own version of being the best you can. And I think that what happens is in relationship is if that we don't work in our relationships, all resources go to fixing the relationship and getting over arguments and recovery and not repairing well and all of that, which under resources you for the other good stuff out in the world. So that's how I interpreted your phrase and paragraph there. And I really loved it. Absolutely. I, I always tell people that you need to focus just as relentlessly on love uh, as you would your career and your wealth. And if you did, the return is so much greater. It is. And human nature says, you know, we, we just think, oh, we'll fall in love and everything will be okay. And unfortunately, it, it just doesn't work that way. There comes a point in any relationship that work is needed the same way we work on other stuff, business, our jobs, our children. Absolutely. Now, last time we got together was 2020, as I mentioned earlier, and we talked about how COVID-19 has impacted relationships. We talked about a spike in divorce searches on Google and overall divorce rates. We talked about how couples can keep their relationships alive during COVID-19. We talked about the seven-year itch. We talked about why do people cheat and how do you add that spark to a relationship after children. Now, for those of you who um, missed that episode and you are in a relationship, please go back and listen to that. But today, because we're going to take a different approach, we're going to talk about singles. Before we get on to being single, I want to ask you the question is, what's it like being single in a lockdown? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hearing from many about what it's like, and it's not easy. There's many things happening, and one of them being that there doesn't seem to be much activity on apps because people can't meet up with each other and the general motivation is for people is to be able to meet someone see them face to face have that potential of what could happen and I think because of our natural instinct for love to be exciting yep. it, it's kind of the motivation for a lot of people on the apps isn't there so from what I'm being told apps are not are not proving to be very popular in that sense at the moment Wow. And, okay. Yeah. And very interesting. There's a lot of talking on apps, like people will connect and kind of talk, but what happens is it drops off. It drops yeah. off because that excitement of actually meeting up isn't there. And some people don't like to do it via online, you know, online dates. People want to meet in person. So, so that's one aspect, but I also think, you know, people are needing to kind of go a little bit more inwards around what does this all mean for me long term what's it like to actually be on my own without a significant other and so there I'm watching and hearing of many people because I work with a lot of individuals around how they're starting to be able to contact the more difficult stuff about not being in a relationship and interestingly it opens a door to work on some of your own issues your own psychological makeup whatever you like to call it your trajectory and where you're heading in life and so it's a great time for self-reflection because all the noise has been turned down not just a little bit I was going to say a little bit it's been turned down a lot okay so really if you're single that's a great point you just made in that 
really it's a positive being in lockdown because it's a chance to sit and not be in constant distraction mode and just go in and out of relationships without thinking. It's a time for reflection and taking stock of who you are. Now, I want to go back to this particular issue because you need to be well before you embark on a relationship. And we talked about this offline, but before we get to that step, if someone is listening to this and they're single and they're thinking, and I know some of these people, I don't need anyone, right? And it tends to be more women than men. Okay, A lot of women are just saying, I don't need to be in a relationship. I have my girlfriends. I can go out every now and then if I need physical intimacy and have a one night stand or heck, I don't even need a one night stand. I can go and play with my private toys. (laughs) So is there an argument for people who are single to be in a relationship? Well, I believe we fare better in good relationships all round. It's even on my website that I believe we are always better in secure functioning relationships. Okay. Now, the problem being with that is creating a secure functioning relationship with someone is not easy and it really needs some decisions. So for people who have decided to not be in relationships because Mm. they haven't been deemed healthy or because the other person isn't behaving in a secure functioning way as well, it needs to be collaborative. There's two people in the system to make this work. I think that some people do make decisions like, I don't want to be in another relationship. Now, it can sometimes be because of significant hurt, which really can take a long time for people to get over and really does need some active consciousness to help get over that. Right. And some people aren't even aware of that, that that's where their decision has come from, that it's deep, deep wounding, right? They're scared to enter into a new relationship. Yeah, yeah, because the pain, and and it's a protective mechanism. I'm not going to reach out again because I will get hurt, particularly if there's been a whole lot of hurts in the past, okay? And then I think that for others, it can sometimes be a genuine reflection of right now I don't want to be in a relationship because I want to choose really wisely or I want things to happen more organically rather than go on to apps and things which you know apps is another whole other topic that we could talk about another time but people are becoming more conscious around having someone enhance their life and what does that look like Yes, absolutely. So I guess for people who do have that emotional baggage, if you like, where they have been hurt in the past, incidentally, I recorded a great podcast with Dr. Guy Winch on this topic who gave that talk at TED called How to Fix a Broken Heart. You know, we can talk about that briefly, but if people want to do a deep dive into that, go back and have a look because you really need to heal the past to move on to to the future. I mean, that's the cliche for psychotherapy, right? But it it is so true. You can't enter into another relationship if you're carrying mistrust, uh, suspicion, doubt into that relationship where your default position is that they are guilty until proven innocent. And a lot of people will enter into a relationship like that for physical need, but emotionally they're not committed because of 
that doubt, that insecurity, that distrust. So it's a very, very important point. So on that point, then what is the best piece of advice that you can give people about healing that and dropping that baggage off at the next bus stop before you move on? Okay, so I have a few thoughts on what you just said. First of all, is slow down. That is my biggest piece of advice, whether you are a couple or an individual. And the reason being is because love is such a potent cocktail of those hormones going through the body and that excitement being compared to being on cocaine, you know, it is a very euphoric kind of feeling. And so there is that natural instinct to chase that and want and want to feel that way but what people tend to do and everybody does it is go too fast into the relationship and they don't know who they've got okay i love that point i love that point because i'm up to episode seven in a show called bridgerton i don't know whether you've seen it oh look i'm, I'm going to watch it but i haven't but everyone keeps telling <laughs> me to watch it it's next on my list There's a very important point that comes out of that passionate, intense relationship between the two main characters, and that is that they were first friends. And when you're friends, it's a different kind of relationship in terms of what does emerge. What do friends do? Friends share more of their vulnerabilities in terms of the negative, like, I'm not good at this. Can you help me? What are your thoughts on this? You know, I find myself doing all kinds of crazy things people sometimes do. Why am I drinking nine o'clock in the morning? Whatever it might be, you know, (laughs) but that's giving information around the person because there isn't that pressure of having to impress, to get it right, to catch this person. And so there is that different kind of vulnerability. Now, There's something I want to add that's important. And this is where, I don't know if we do differ, Sam, but it's just a a thought that I have around this. Is I think you can enter a relationship with people with all of your mistrusts, your doubt, your baggage, all of that kind of stuff. But there needs to be a collaboration with that other person around how you're going to do it. So what that means is the slowing down process is to be able to form that friendship so that you can see what does emerge. And that's why I know slowing down seems like a simple concept, but our brain goes fast in love and it gets us into trouble. Yes, that's a very important point. Yes, yes. So being friends slows you down. It slows you down a little bit and it helps the other person emerge. And the way I put it, until you know who you've got, because people hide in the beginning, unfortunately, it's natural instinct. And what is it about? It's about attraction. I want to look attractive to this person. I don't want them to know the stuff that they're going to learn when we move in. Yes. Yes. And which is a form of deception, really, which... Uh, comes out in shows like Bridgerton or Jane Austen's novel, yeah, which is frowned upon back in that era, but now to be accepted. It's not deliberate. None of it is deliberate. You know, we are human beings. We make mistakes. We're flawed. And I think that more of an acceptance of that when you're going into relationship and sharing with someone, this is my past. Maybe I've had a history of depression. Maybe I've had a, you know, I find that anxiety comes up for me and it's at these times. 
it and takes, that's yeah it takes yeah. a lot of courage to do it that does. it does uh, and it, you're really you know exposing your vulnerabilities yes. and people uh, who are listening to this right now who are single are probably thinking well if i disclose all my luggage <laughs> all my past there's a fear that this person's going to walk away Exactly. And I don't like to just say, oh, well, if they walk away, that means they weren't worth it. That, that, I don't think that that's true. It's really about finding somebody that does have that same consciousness of relationships and have understood that when you're going too fast, it does get you into trouble. And so it's a maturity. I think it's a developmental jump in people to be able to do this. But I do think it's really possible. And to do that is just to slow things down. So I love that point, by the way, because to me, it's no different to fasting. Right. Fasting from food, we all know about. For me, meditation is fasting from thought. Yep. And I talked about in the past for people in a relationship who want to rekindle that fire to sometimes fast from sexual intimacy, physical and so, so slowing down allows you to fast from that addiction of, I just want to get to from A to B and B happens to be where sexual intercourse happens. And that's where you have the people's need to speed up in a relationship because they want to get, especially for guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, absolutely. and a lot of singles who come from certain cultural backgrounds where you have to be married before you have uh, sexual intercourse, well, they're sometimes rush into that relationship as well absolutely because absolutely. they want to get to that end point what is the female perspective on that i've just given you what, what males think yep absolutely and we're driven by it and there's connection in that and i think that really we have so many ways of connecting with people it's endless and i think that being able to draw on that in different ways that sex that's great, but it's not all of the relationship and it's probably not what is going to sustain you. You know, if I hear of people that our relationship's great because we have sex every single day and night, you know, yeah, I start to get a little suspicious because, you know, what, what's being avoided? It's easy to be in a relationship like that. But what, <laughs> what's actually being avoided? What's not being talked about, you know? Well, exactly. Some of the singles who meet a boyfriend or girlfriend and they figure out that they don't have anything in common, nothing to talk about. So they yes. resort to, you know, the, exactly. to the physical. Yeah. Exactly. And so, so I guess from the female perspective, and it probably is a good thing for guys to understand, is that women are okay with things being slowed down mostly because we are slower to get aroused and all of that kind of stuff. And so really slowing the process down. And this is why things like a tantric sex and all of that, it's all about slowing things down, really. Yep. And so I think it is of benefit. Successful relationships need to have agreements, contracts. What do we both want? What is our relationship going to look like? I love to spend money till there's zero bank balance. Well, I like to keep a buffer of whatever people have in the bank. How are we going to work with that moving forward? Yep, very good points. Yeah. And we call them guiding principles in the work I do, where I work with people to create their guiding principles. What 
do you want your relationship to look like? Are you together to build wealth? Well, if you are, you both need to be on board with that because if one wants that and the other doesn't, you're going to be in trouble. Ah, yes, very, very good point, yes. Are you in the relationship because you want that significant other, because you want safety and security? You want that person that will be there, you know, whether it be in trouble with the bank, you know, in hospital, funeral, all of those you know, everyone else can have an excuse for that, but not your partner, mostly. That's right. That's right. So it's about really documenting what your values are and making yeah. sure that the person uh, that you're considering a relationship with is aligned yeah. to those values. Yeah. I guess, I guess, yeah. You think yeah. about that, a couple who have an idea of retirement. One wants retirement where we're living in a little hut or a shack by the beach because I love the beach. Whereas the other one's thinking, I want to live in the suburbs in a luxurious home. Now, they are going to run their life differently for decades. Yes. And then then get into trouble. (laughs) I'm laughing because my wife, she's a country girl. She loves the farm life and everything. And I love the city life. So as a compromise now, we we have both. (laughs) A city pad and, and yeah. some acreage. And that's the compromise. So sometimes you need to compromise to get into a relationship because if you have a checklist of what you want, and I have a lot of friends who have been single for a long time and they're just so fussy and they have these checklists in their mind. If someone does not measure up to each one of those boxes, those tick boxes, yeah. they're, they're eliminated. Right. And so do you want to know my thoughts on that? Please, yes. <laughs> I, I think it's not a good idea. And, and it's because the biggest thing I think, remember, this is all what my understanding of how the brain works. Relationship is always going to be better when safety and security is paramount, meaning you are my emotional support. You are my go-to person. You're the person I go to when I'm distressed and that you'll help me. We have an agreement that you'll help me when I'm distressed. Yes. These kind of things, you are the first person I tell things, not the second, third or fourth, right? They are the kind of things that would be on a checklist for someone who really wants emotional security, which is really what relationship is about, right? And so when we're kind of sizing things up, a woman might say, "I, I want a guy with a six pack, you know? Or I, a man might say, I want a size eight model, whatever, yep. you know, or I want somebody who's successful in business, things like that. Those things are great. Yeah. But, but if your principles of relationship don't match, that will be a problem down the track. And I think the biggest strength that I have as a couple therapist, without kind of sounding, you know, overinflating how I work with people, is I'm a great forecaster. I love that. Yep. I can forecast. Yes. Where, this, where people are going to end up. And that is my treatment plan, is to make sure that doesn't happen. So that's how I work with people. That's, that's beautiful. In a way, that's yeah. how I work as a lawyer as yeah. well. Forecast yeah. worst case scenario and try and preempt, yeah. prevent that. So. Exactly. Okay, so that in mind, have you, have you counseled single people? Yes. And, and what is the most common challenge? then amongst uh, singles is is that do they come to you after a breakup and they've become single 
or they come to you because they've been single for a long time and they want to get into a relationship, which is a sort of context for this uh, podcast. Yeah, both, really. They come in and, and there can be great pain because they've just broken up and it's like, what? why did she do that to me? Why did he do that? What happened? There's a big processing because what's happened is you had an image of the relationship and that's been smashed through. So you sometimes need someone to be able to unpack that with you because the illusion is gone, you know, and what I thought was going to be isn't. That is trauma. It creates a trauma. Yes. So people become very, they're not centered because they're actually experiencing the trauma of either it be a betrayal, being hurt, sudden divorce, whatever the issues are for people. And so they are in that place. And then people who have been not with somebody for a long time, they're asking why. Why can't I find the person for me? And so that's when I would work with them again about what are your principles? What are you looking for? And part of my job will be to help them understand what does relationship really mean? Why be in a relationship as opposed to be on your own? Yes, yeah. I mean, we, we did say early on that uh, it is better to be in a relationship. And, and research yes. also shows that uh, people in a loving relationship, uh, a uh, functional relationship, live longer, right? We, yeah, they the research. 35% less disease and sickness. Yeah, and, and happier, generally. Yes, but it's a double-edged sword relationship. It can be great when done right. Yes. Or it can be your worst nightmare, right? <laughs> a relationship can make you sick. A bad yeah. relationship can cause significant trauma and make you emotionally and physically unwell. And so that is not what I'm talking about when I talk about being in a relationship that helps you resource to go out into the world. So you really have the spectrum is great relationship where yes. you're happier, live a longer life. A bad relationship, which has the opposite effect. Being single is stuck somewhere in the middle, isn't it? Where you're, you're turning to both thinking, well, do I take the chance? Do I take the risk on love? Love is risky. Yeah, okay. So I want to then go back to the question of, well, do you need to be well before you embark on a relationship then? What does that look like? Okay. So naturally, if you are someone who you're aware that you are abusive in a relationship you are doing stuff that destabilizes the relationship you're known to be unfaithful and you're entering relationship with someone who's wants monogamy or if you are someone who does have a criminal tendency all all of those kind of things they are things that very clearly you need to be working on before you enter a relationship okay so I want to make that clear that anything abusive that's not what I'm talking about here. Yes. Okay. What I'm talking about is people who have history of maybe grown up with an alcoholic mum or dad, came from a divorced family, had a father or a mother who may have abandoned the family for a little while. You know, all of those kind of traumatic events that have caused people to not trust love so much, to not be sure relationship is the best thing for me. Right, right, okay. Okay? Yep. So I think that if you do find the right person 
who does have some awareness and consciousness to their own history, you can together work that out. Right. Yep. And the key is repair because I'm going to do stuff where I don't trust you because of my history. Right. Right. I may be someone who's going to check your phone, which is really big no-no for most, right? But I'm letting you know that's what that creates in me. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I don't acceptable in any relationship. No. No, it's not acceptable. But but think about it. It's, It's interesting. This is, think about it. If you are in a relationship and you are suspecting that your partner is doing stuff behind your back, right? And you follow the rule of no one should look at each other's phone and all of that kind of stuff. That's great if you're both doing the right thing. (laughs) But a person who has invested their life in you, you have a responsibility to not do stuff behind their back. And they are probably going to go looking if they suspect that you are. And that's that's because of self-preservation, because you're not playing the game that we promised each other that we would. Okay, that that's a very good point. Yep. So is it right or wrong? I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. I'm more talking about why people end up there. Yes, yes. I guess once they end up there, then it makes it right. (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's like if we're both invested in our relationship in a collaborative, safe way, We both know we're not doing stuff like that. But if you're going to continue to break that deal with me, well, then I am going to get suspicious and I am probably going to have a look because we've not got the same agreement. Yep. And you agreed with me that we were monogamous if that's what people choose. Yes. Yeah. It's a very good point. Yep. There, there are some people I've come across couples, not that many, probably two couples in the last 10 years who agree to be in an open relationship and they have a functional great relationship they're out and about together as couples and but they have an understanding that oh uh, well i'm not going to hide my infidelity if i am and vice versa and are they unicorns i mean are they well i think i i, I wonder if you could ask them i bet you they have agreements that's coming back to the agreements it is yes. they have agreements but if one of us go off that agreement well we've got a different agreement now you know it's like where now if you are somebody who you know maybe there has been some history where you do something wrong in the relationship well maybe we'll talk about it once and maybe I will allow I didn't know that it was so modeled to you that infidelity was okay if you came from that kind of family well maybe we might work with that once Depends on what your boundary is. Depends if you're someone who's not okay with messaging someone, well, then they've broken the trust. Some people don't see that as a big deal. How do you work through these agreements then? If you've met someone, you're single, there is no manual out there. Do do you think it's uh, proper and prudent for couples who are considering a long-term relationship with someone they just met to sit down and go through these things with a therapist such as yourself yeah absolutely you can go through it they're called we call them guiding principles approach i use is pact the psychological approach to couple therapy by dr stan tatkin and he has written a book called we do 
okay and it's we do and it's people who are getting married yes to be able to work this stuff out before the day and have some clarity we make too many assumptions in relationships unfortunately we make an assumption that we're getting married we're definitely monogamous whereas one's thinking well monogamous for a few years but then maybe if one of us strays that's not technically an infidelity because you know the relationship's cemented and we're okay you know people can think all kinds of things around what's what they're going into and so the idea of this is you can come and see a therapist who is pack trained dr stan tacken's work and do some guiding principles work but the process is not a difficult one it's just writing down what means a lot to both of you yes and then bringing that together and if you see huge discrepancies you've got to think about what you're doing the deposit on the reception <laughs> house you might have to go get it back you know <laughs> i would love to be a fly on the wall in one of those sessions where you the one turns to the other and says really that's what you want yeah. uh, like one of them might say well i want five children the other one says exactly. i want no children exactly. they, they didn't know that no because the natural human response is love will see us through we will be able to sort that stuff out and unfortunately we all know the feeling i'm on a bad day where you don't love your partner as much as you think you do because <laughs> you're having a bad yeah. day yeah they are difficult days to work things out and it will happen. Thank you for listening to part one of my interview with Melissa Ferrari. Now stay tuned for next week's episode where we discuss topics such as how do you know when you have found the one? When do you know when to have sex and get intimate with someone you have just started dating? And how do you know it's time to commit to that someone long term? And how do you prepare to meet the parents? We discuss that and many other thought-provoking tips and insights into being single and entering into a new relationship. So I hope you can join me next week for what promises to be an epic finish and part two of my talk with Melissa Ferrari. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, live consciously, my friends. <laughs>